Welcome to Upgrade Engines with Scott Wozniak, where we explore the tools and tactics that drive improvement. If you're hungry for more and better, if you want to move past hype and discuss how, you're in the right place. Change really is possible. Dreams can come true. It may take a while, but you can upgrade anything if you build the right engine. Today, I'm back with Jonathan Crabb yet again, because in a previous episode, we made some ridiculous statements about how much we read. And uh, it turns out they're actually real numbers with real facts. So yes, Jonathan Crabb, who is a leader at a Fortune 100 company, a futurist, and a great friend, he's back to talk about how he actually reads 100 plus books a year. Jonathan, thanks for getting back together with me and unpacking this because, dude, as much as we have fun uh, talking about learning and your story and like how even even your parents early on, that was like their prayer over you. You dropped this statement in there that we we have got to unpack. People have come back and asked me about this. Um, I dropped some stuff about the volume of books you read and you threw out like a hundred books a year. Like, is this a hyper hyperbole, right? Like, I mean, I, I got to read a hundred of them. And what that means is like 19, right? Like right. literally a hundred. It's, it's really a hundred. So, you know, I mean, I think I've been doing this for probably um, upwards of four or five years. Um, you know, I think the Genesis. Wait, wait, wait. Of like, Let me just like spell this out for four to five years. You've read a hundred ish books a year. I mean, this is four or 500 books you've read in the last year. And there are some years that it was 80 and there were some years it was 120, but, but yeah, that's, and generally speaking, I mean, there are some exceptions, like, you know, sometimes a comic book may count or something like not a single little one, but a compendium. It's not. Yeah. Let's be clear. These aren't, this isn't a hundred curious Georges. Like this is legit grown up book. Yeah. I mean, there's a sprinkling of fun ones that may be some fast reads in there, but there's also a sprinkling of, you know, hardcore, noble, Nobel laureate, deep dives into neuroscience or string theory, or, you know, any number of other complex topics. Like I'm reading a book on uh, neurology right now, by David Eagleman, who's a who's a neuroscientist who's talking about how we, you know, the advances in fMRI and all those kind of technologies about how, what we perceive to be our thoughts and actually kind of the autonomic part of our lives are somewhat different. So yeah, some of the books are complex. Yeah. Okay. So I, of all people probably believe you, um, cause I read, I think about 200 books a year. And so here's what I want to do. Like, forget the fluff and the hype. Like if they're, they're curious about the learner mindset, go back and listen to the previous conversation I had with Jonathan. This is for the people who want to say, how, how do you actually do that and have a life? I've gotten this question. You've gotten this question. Like let's throw compare answers. Cause it's not identical. Uh, there's some overlap in what we do, but I'd be interested in hearing your, your methods. Where do you find your books? Um, how do you actually, like, do you just sit around for eight hours a day and read in a chair? Like, what do you actually do? Um, how do you actually get anything else done in your life and still pull off this much reading? So, yeah. So, I mean, just to quickly go through it, I mean, I think the, the genesis of it, I've always read a lot, but the genesis of really kind of getting to the hundred, I would say one of the critical pieces of it was something that you and I maybe even talked about last time. It really is audiobooks is an unlocking mechanism to this and actually listening to it at fairly high speeds. 
So I think for me, there is two to three um, kind of categories of books in terms I read. Like generally speaking, I do use audiobooks at somewhere between two speed to 2.75 speed as my means of capturing okay, a lot. Let me get really tactical. When you say between two and 2.75, is does it change book to book? How do you determine that? It does. So, so two two seven five, I find largely is a matter of accents and the narrator. Uh, yeah. So, if you have a book that um, they do a lot of different voices, you know, maybe in a fiction book or whatever else, like I, I tends to slow me down some. Um, there's also just other narrators that have, I would say speed conducive voices, if you will. Um, <laughs> so, you know, nonfiction, nonfiction, ironically, is actually usually conducive to high playback speed mm-hmm. because it's usually the author reading and then, you know, it's somewhat monotone the whole way. So that was something that you and I... Yeah, so, uh, yes, and I, I'll score and add my two cents. So that was a huge life discovery for me. And it started, I was listening to podcasts. Man, I was into podcasts. Same here. Same here. 20 years ago. I mean, this is way before podcasts were cool. And yeah, somebody, I read an article and they said, we can listen faster than we can speak. And I thought that's interesting. And then I noticed this playback thing on my podcast, but I, I will just say, so like, I'll skip to the end. I actually now listen at three and a half times speed for almost everything. Occasional fiction books. I got to drop down. I'm listening to one right now at three times speed. That's my slow speed. But before people think like, Oh, you just have this crazy brain. Honestly, I have a good memory, but that's, I was never good at audio as a processing method before. Um, when I first started this, trying to get to one and a half times speed, actually, I didn't even start that. I couldn't make it more than five to seven minutes listening to a podcast before I'd find myself zoning out and then realizing I tried to do it on my drive to work. Right. And like 10 minutes in, I'm like, I haven't been paying attention for a a while and I have no idea what this guy's saying. I got to back it up multiple minutes. Like my brain just couldn't stay engaged that much that fast. And it felt overwhelming, but I did it for a day. I did it for a week. I did it for a year. And then I'm like, oh, I'm doing like the whole drive there and back. And my brain's with it. It slowly grew. And then I read the article and started fiddling with speed. It probably took me seven years of continually trying to push my boundaries. As soon as I got comfortable, I would nudge the speed up to one more level, the one more. Sometimes I'd have to back it down because I went too fast. Yep. Over time, like this is not a superhuman thing. I, I don't know. Did you immediately start at two two seven five? I mean, how long did it take you to acclimate to update? I mean, I have a pretty similar story. I think that um, I was always listening to podcasts. Maybe I was listening to podcasts similar than you did. Um, and in a sense, I was already kind of at maybe one one point two one point five or something. Okay. And I think okay. you and I talked, and you were like more. And I would say it took me probably, I would say not seven years. It took me, it's a muscle. And I would say it's a muscle that you, that you grow. So then let's, you know, focus back to the process, right? When you are listening to at that speed, your ability to cover a lot of area dramatically increases. And so cover a lot of area. So for instance, I mean, there's just books that, you know, I would say, books that I would probably not approach as much. So I, like I said, I've read my share of tough books, like thinking fast, thinking slow by Daniel Kahneman was amazing. A long read page beast. Yeah. It was a, it was a long, hard read, but it was a, but it was a good read. I'm glad I read it. 
I think now I would probably approach it as an audiobook first. Um, Jonathan Hates the Righteous Mind was a book I listened to on audio. I think it allows you to get through books and to grab core concepts more quickly. And then to say, and so here's kind of my process. I do listen to a lot of audiobooks, yeah. but then if there's a book that I would actually like to break down and quarter up and extract more, you know, actual insight from, then that's when I would actually move that book, either move it from listening it to an audiobook first going, wow, this book needs more attention, more insights, more actually reflection. Then I would actually go and get it on Kindle and or I'm going to work hard back. Really, it doesn't really matter. I'm going to push for specifics. So like you're in the middle of reading an audiobook and you decide, man, I need to get this on Kindle. Where does that decision happen for you? I just, I would actually go ahead and finish it because really it's a whole book kind of okay. thing. Because okay. if the insight, if it's an insight that is good, you know, one or two point insight, I can capture that, you know, summarize that kind of thing. I, I that's exactly my process. I was curious. I, I'll yeah. just plow through the audiobook if it's good. And then I will go back and buy that. So I don't know. It depends on the year. Some years are better than others, my book selections, but maybe five to seven times a year, I go back and buy another book. I'm like, Ooh, there was so much specific stuff in there. Yeah. I, need, I need something to go back and underline and highlight. That's right. That's right. Uh, but it's That's not, it's crazy how little that needs to happen. Um, and we're reading a lot of books. I'd say a lot of good books. I'm not, yeah. most of my books aren't bad. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think the way that, so, so that's, that's kind of how I do it. I, I will go ahead and finish it. I mean, I, another good example, not to, I'm not trying to name drop, but just to kind of give a spectrum of some of the yeah. books, the, the recent book on um, Bob Iger's book on leading Disney was oh, a book. I listened to an audio and I was like, you know, there's enough here to um, break down. And the structure of the book is written in a way that is conducive to insights. So it's worth going back and reading it and breaking it down more from a, from an insight perspective. And so that's how I do a lot of my reading. Okay. Um, let me get real specific then when in the day, like you just, like you sit down every day at 5 PM and sit and, and listen to an audiobook for 45 minutes. Like yeah. how does this function? So, so, um, commutes are obviously a big, a big part right. of it. Getting in the car and driving to work is a big part, you know, running, putting, putting the dishes away, um, while yes. you're folding clothes. I mean, it's I have to tell you one <clears throat> unexpected side benefit for this, for me is there is a certain set of chores that I could just not make myself do before I got into audiobooks Cause they were so mind numbingly boring to me. Um, yeah. the laundry, the yard, uh, like mopping. I mean, just like, ah, uh, and I do them the least I could possibly get away with doing them. And now, I mean, they're not fun in and of themselves, but when I have an audiobook to play in the background, yep. I find the odiousness of it, right? Like how bad it smells to me, so to speak, metaphorically right. gone away. And it's like, ah, it's not exciting, but sure, whatever. I'll put a book in. Yeah. It's it definitely, it definitely redeems the time. A bit. And then, but they're all like physical tasks. I can't do mental things with it. Like I can't right. check my mail or do email. Right. It's the mind. Like I got to fold it. I got to just sweep back and forth. I mean, that stuff really pairs very well for me with some sort of intellectual conversation going on. And I think, and I think there's also a little bit, um, you know, maybe it's because I'm reading this book on neuroscience right now, but I think that there's also one of those things like not only do I think we, uh, our mind can capture more, you know, higher speeds, but I think it's also kind of, to some extent, feeding the subconscious as well in terms of, you know, capturing a lot of information. And in some ways that's, 
that is a lot of the intent of reading so much. It's not to be like, oh, I'm so smart or, oh, you know, look at me. Like I can read a hundred books. It's not so much a feather in my cap. It's more just kind of one of those things. Like I'm trying to expose myself to the greatest breadth of knowledge in a lot of seemingly possibly disconnected practices and disconnected themes, because a lot of those themes have core, core connection points that aren't readily apparent. And really yeah. that's where, that's where it's really like the richness of, you know, this practice. I think the interesting, also the other thing, you know, to deflate, if there's any ego deflation needed, I think the fascinating thing about reading, whether it's hundred books or 200 books, once you read that much, you actually, you would think like, oh, I feel a lot smarter and whatever else. It's quite the opposite. Like once you read a hundred books, you realize how very far behind your actual knowledge is yeah. because you read one book and that book is very good. You know, maybe it's on game theory, maybe it's on neurology, right? Right. Those kind of things. And it's like inside that, and inside that book, there's, there's five other books that are all good. And you're like, whoa, I, I know more, but I've really kind of scratched the surface. And so it's a humbling thing as well, ironically, which I don't think a lot of people would guess. Yeah. It's funny because if you read like two books, you feel kind of proud about the bit that you know, and then you read 200 books and you're like, yeah, I'm still barely keeping up with what was published this month. Uh, That's right. That's right. It's an explosion, which is a beautiful place to be. But yeah, and I think honestly, this is one of the fundamental reasons why I get more uh, books done in a year than you do is because I have a unique lifestyle for it. Um, mm-hmm. I travel. I'm part of my work is I don't, I don't have a commute to the office. I go stand in airport lines, which you want to talk about boring, right? Um, yeah. Sit on a plane where they won't let you pull anything out, but your phone. And what do you not drive to a hotel in some, you know, Cleveland or LA or wherever it happened to be for business. Right. Um, right. And what do I do during all those windows now? Well, I couldn't used to do it all, but at this point now I'm like, ah, just the whole time. One trip will actually I'm going on a trip Thursday and next week. Um, so between both of those, I can knock out three hours, fly, sit in the line, drive to the airport, get out, drive to the hotel. Like I haven't done anything else. That's just three hours of, of quote unquote wasted time. Well, right. let's do some math. Three hours at three and a half times speed. Okay. So that, that's a 10 hour book. Comes, uh, what's that? Um, 10 and a half hour book. 21 hours in two weeks. Uh, yeah, exactly. 10, 10 and a half. Exactly. Um, and so, and most audiobooks are around eight to nine hours in length. Yeah. Some are five hours, some are 12 hours. Right. But you roughly could say eight ish hours. So I could knock out two, almost two and a half books, probably just the travel I already have now. So if you don't yeah. like, if you don't do flights, like you've traveled a little bit, but not at the volume I have traveled. And so sure. If you just traveled like mine, you'd probably be in the 150 realm just because what else are you going to do in the airport? Line? That's right. So, That's right. so I, I want to say this clearly because from an ego standpoint, I think sometimes people hear these numbers and they feel like, oh, oh, in order to prove that I'm as smart as Jonathan and Scott, I should read 120 books too. Like, listen, this is not about fluffing up my resume. I have wasted time that I need to fill. And I have found this to be one of the more high value things to fill it with. That's right. Uh, And now I, let me be clear before we also, since we're on the high cloud, like I'm curious how much of it is fiction versus nonfiction for you? Yeah, I would say, I mean, it it varies, right? So, you know, I think let, let me tie that to kind of the other question that you had before, like, how do I choose my books? 
Um, I mean, previously, I would say in the early days, I was kind of going between three kinds of books in the sense that I would rotate it. And actually, I think this is helpful maybe for those people who are trying to think about a practice like this. What I would do is I would actually choose a fiction book, a business book, and some kind of like faith philosophy kind of book. And I would kind of go in that cadence. And then what I would do if I was stuck in a particularly rough book that I was kind of slogging through, I would put a book behind it that I was really looking forward to, to drive myself to say, okay, I need to finish 10% of this book per night. Obviously this was before I really got into audiobooks because I was actually reading 10%, um, you know, on Kindle, which I still do some. Well, okay. Yeah. um, We'll we'll talk about that in a second. But then, but then I think what happened was, is as you start into this practice and as you connect with people friends like Scott, um, I, Goodreads is an incredible asset in terms of yes. book discovery. Yes. There's funny little algorithms that are hiding Scott from me right now. Um, <laughs> for some reason, I'm like, I don't know why they would hide Scott from me on Goodreads, I, but I guess um, I'm a dangerous online personality. I, maybe you are. Um, that, but I think it's one of those things book was a little too racy, apparently, <laughs> but I think it's one of those things like you start to as you start to read that much, then you start to go, Oh, okay. I, I know enough about like, I mean, if nothing else, once you are reading this much, you can usually have a hand, like not a handful. You usually have a hundred to 150 authors that you enjoy. And if you simply read their entire backlog and keep up with them, that right there is a lot. So, I mean, you know, like off the top of my head, like I'm trying to think like, you know, we've talked often about like, uh, the fiction part, Brandon Sanderson is fantastic. He writes prodigiously. I really, really enjoy a, uh, a nonfiction writer named Michael Pollan. He writes books about cooking and several other things. His books are great, but he's got a lot of them. So I work through all of his backlogs. So, I mean, I think it is one of those things where, between new books coming out that are kind of the rage, like, you know, it's one of those things. If you're active on Twitter or whatever else you say, Hey, this is a new book that's getting conversation. And there are big classic authors, Patrick Lencioni, most of the stuff. He pops a book out. I'm like, I got to read his Jim Collins. Every five years will drop a nugget. I mean, that's right. There are guys that in the business sphere, and I would say back to Brandon Sanderson and about three or four other guys like Will White and Michael Sullivan and some of these guys on the fiction side. I'm like, anything you write, I'm going to have to check it out. Right. So, I mean, it really, it's not that hard to choose books these days. Like, in fact, I would say even at the level of speed that you and I read, like I, my, I'm backed up. Like I've got, you know, I will occasionally, and I think you've, you've talked a little bit about your practice about going back and reading, rereading some of your grades. Well, yeah. Let me say that. Cause I, I just started this and I've got to tell you my early report. So by the way, I have never reread anything in my life. Um, I have a good memory for ideas, but, but I also love the like surprise and the thrill of the new plot twist or the new idea. And so like, I've already heard that idea. So I've always been like, yeah, rereading a book would be really boring. I hate boredom as you catching on. Right. But enough things came together that made me rethink that, that this, like we're talking a month ago, less than a month ago, three weeks ago, I went back to my favorite because I have a list of all my favorites, like the ones I recommend because I get asked this all the time. Right. And I'm just knocking my way through my favorites for a variety of reasons, but I I will tell you it is going better than I hoped. I am thoroughly enjoying it. Um, I, if I'm going to be really transparent, it's not because I don't remember it. I'd actually like, that was one of my questions was like, 
do I really remember these things or do I think I remember them? And then I'm going to read them and be like, what? No way. I can't believe that. I forgot that whole section existed. And for the most part, I'm not saying I remember every line precisely. I don't have a, a eidetic memory or anything. Yeah. Um, but generally I'm like, Oh, okay. This is what come next. Oh, okay. He's about to use that analogy. Oh, wait, the, the, the horse is about to fall in the water. Okay. I remember this part of the story. But I think, but I think it's the, it's the nuance, right? Well, it, sure there's, there's nuances that you're probably picking up on maybe that, that I didn't. And I, I will say part of what triggered this for me was watching Marvel shows with my kids. So I love the Marvel cinematic universe. Um, and then one of my kids got old enough to like, okay, it's finally time to introduce you to these epic classics and rewatching them for their sake surprised me at how much it triggered all of the same emotions and thrills, mm -hmm. even though I knew what was coming. Um, sure. And so I'm having that experience with the stories and then with the concepts, like, well, two things. One, there's for me a just like deep red, like goosebumps level of resonation. Like, Oh, that's such a good idea. And that happens even if I've heard the idea 50 times. Sure. And if I'm going to be honest, like part of what's even better than I expected is like, I just finished a Jim Collins, good to great, right? One of the greats of all time for business leaders. And there are sections of it that I'm like, yeah, I still have not fully implemented that. Like sure. I, I know what he's talking about. Dang it. I don't even know if I've talked to my team about that one in the last five years, we probably ought to revisit our hedgehog concept. We've grown a little, like, it's just so good. Does he talk about hedgehog and good to great? Good to great hedgehog concept, man. Interesting. So good. Fox and the hedgehog. What's your head? And he unpacks examples. And it's like, Interesting. I, I know what ours is and we need to talk to my team about it and figure that out. And so, yeah, yeah. I, anyway, so having said that, yes, I'm neck deep in that. And so for the first time in years, 25 years, uh, it's funny. I keep coming across all these books, Jonathan, and I'm just slotting them into a file of like books to check out when I'm done. I am not checking out any new books till I make it through all my favorites. Yep. So, I don't know. That could be six months. It could be nine months. We'll see. I don't, I'm not actually going back and calculated how long it'll take, but it, it'll be, a, it'll be a, a fun experiment to see post post that. Like, I mean, I, I hope, I hope you are, and this gets into the breaking down of concepts. I hope you are reflecting on the additional things coming out of them the next time around. Yes. And I, some of them are getting deeper. Some of them, as I expect are not. So I did read one that I actually downgraded. Like that's, I don't know if I'll keep it on my list anymore. Mm. Um, and I almost hesitate to say this cause it's such a beloved book in Christian circles, but mere Christianity by CS Lewis. I read it as a young guy. It was brilliant. It's been on my recommended list for huh. 25 years. I read it again and I'm like, I think I got a four out of five stars that I still, still love that one. Now here's why opening blew my mind. Ending blew my mind. Middle not only do you wander, I actually disagree with you. Um, and so like, I got to put a little ding on my recommendation and be like, oh, amazing. Except for the middle, like that middle yeah. third, uh, quick example, he gets into marriage and he gives us advice on how to be married while acknowledging at that point in time in his life, he had never been married while dropping some very like culturally British, uh, assumptions on top. Like it's just like, he just goes off the rails and it's not yeah. horrific, but it's like, yeah, no, nope. That's not good, buddy. You really don't know what you're talking about. And then, and then right when I'm thinking, gosh, I'm a moron. This book isn't that good. Then he goes to the end and I'm like, mind blown. Okay. Yeah. The ending's amazing. Uh, so, but it's fascinating to pro so, okay. So to picking books, I do the same. I'll share a little bit. Um, 
Uh, I've had multiple categories. I think there's five categories that I look at. So leadership, business, um, personal development, like kind of individual effectiveness, productivity, brain, that kind of stuff. Um, uh, then I do something kind of spiritual, philosophical, heart, heart oriented, right? Then I fiction. And then the one category I'll throw out as a bonus, because I think this is like a gateway drug for a lot of people who don't feel like they can read a lot biographies. I had a guy recommend to me biographies and as a You're great because they feel like a novel, a well-written one, right? Like it has all the emotional effort of a novel. That's to say no emotional effort, right? They suck you in. And yet there are some really cool nuggets in biography. So I, if we're going to talk about types of book, I got to plug biographies as yeah, uh, biographies are great. I just, so one of the ones I just reread was Teddy Roosevelt's rise of Theodore Roosevelt. And it's like, this, this guy's amazing. I'm a huge Teddy fan. I mean, Neil, he's got his flaws, but, but he's got some pretty epic stuff to him. Right? And that, and that's a, that is a three volume book series yeah. from Edmund Morris that was yeah. worth all three books, but man, what a, well, what his a, life is that crazy that it, you, yeah. it takes three full books to explain the, the craziness of his life. Yeah, He was doing crazy stuff even after he was president. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like charting un, unknown rivers in the Amazon. Okay. Yeah. Banana stuff. Yeah. Okay. He's a character. So, so okay. I think Scott, the one other thing I think we want to talk about, cause I think we've, you know, gone over a lot of territory, but I think the one last thing is the one last thing that I've done as well is, so you have a very good memory. I actually don't, I actually don't have a great memory. Um, and so I've adapted my process a bit to that. I think the most important thing that I've done. Yeah. yeah. So, Cause this question I get all the time, right? You're going to, what do you do with all that information? Like it just flows in one ear out the other. What's the point of yep. it? Right? So in a lot of ways, I think that I, I pre digital, I think a lot of it, I would highlight dog ear and I do some of that still. I think the big stuff is now I use a tool called Rome research. Um, Rome, spell that R O A M okay. Rome research. And there's other tools too. There's one called notion. There's one called, um, obsidian, Evernote is it's a knowledge, personal knowledge management tool. Yeah, um, yeah. but what I do I, I use I, Evernote for, right. for record. Yep. But what I do is I actually write down each of the books that I read in Rome. And then if I'm just doing audio and there's a couple core concepts, I write a quick review that I put on Goodreads mm -hmm. just so that I kind of have context for, Hey, well, when did I read this? What honestly, was I reading? This is why I'm on Goodreads, 90% of it. Um, the other 10% is I love getting the recommendations, but it's a forcing function that makes right. me have to capture my thoughts. And I got this from you. So you had four, three, four questions that you yep. always answer. And I ironically came from another buddy of mine who started, he was like, Scott adopted my thing. <laughs> yeah, totally did. I copying. Cause I was like, that's so good. And it, again, the goal is it forces me to go back and capture what was the idea? What would I, what do I right. agree with? What don't I agree? What do I, would I recommend this to others? And there's a series of questions in there. They're not complicated, but no. what's unique about this book, um, stuff right. like that. So, and yeah. so, and so what I do is I will go in, I will actually do the review that I put in Goodreads, but then I also have a couple of notes just saying, Hey, here are the big ideas. Then if I find the book is particularly good, that's when I'll go back and read it in Kindle. And then I will actually import all of my Kindle notes and then I'll highlight it. Mm -hmm. And then I'm in a particularly busy season of life. So I haven't done this as much, but then what I do inside of, and this gets to like, Hey, what do you do with all that information? What I'll do then is I will actually in Rome, there's daily notes. I will actually do a retro 
of one week ago, one month ago, three months ago, six months ago, one year ago. And then what I'll do is I will go back in and look at the reviews that I wrote that day so that I regularly get a refresher of the book and concept. Because that's how our brains work. If you don't know, then we think like, you know, the, the cram all at once is not the, this kind of re- recurring pattern, slowly getting longer and longer distances between that's the single best way to lock something in memory. And so you're really leaning into that. That's, that's smart, man. That's how, that's how we do it. I, I don't have anything that, I mean, I can kind of get away with being sloppy and I, this is not cause I, uh, earned this, right. I was you have just, a better memory, natural yeah, memory. Let's be clear. I have a better natural memory for ideas. The consequence then is I have a horrific memory for physical, tactical things. Where mm-hmm. did I park my car? What are my keys? I have wandered in the airport parking lot for 45 minutes, trying to figure out where I parked my car at least a dozen times, literally in the last 10 years. So I'm like, I have a terrible memory for that because my brain can only think about ideas now. So, okay. Um, I'll, I'll call out a couple of things. We're talking about the, the tactics. So we didn't talk about Kindle, right? So audio, I crank out audio. What I tend to do is audio is all my personal development, professional development books. And then I have a, on Kindle, which I just use the Kindle app. I don't even have a physical, I used to have a physical Kindle. Yeah. Um, I have a parallel reading because there's times when I can't quickly just easily put in earbuds or something. There's books, especially I love fantasy novels and sci-fi, not only, but that's probably 80% of what I read on the fiction side. And those have unique words and technical details and very complicated, you know, epic magical battles. And I find that I have more fun reading those when I can see the words and bounce around and like, zoom in and reread, like not physically zoom in, but like stop and like, what, what did you just, whoa, that's really fascinating. So I have a parallel like audiobook. while at one time I'm always also reading something on my Kindle app. And that is almost always fiction on the Kindle app. And then the other uh, audio is kind of my development. Every now and then, like I'll still do an audio on fiction on audio, or occasionally there's a, a book that they don't have on audio that I really need yeah. to read. We just read the, the Nation State, which is a really the network state. Network state yeah. Really fascinating, challenging book. I don't agree with everything, but I love how he made me Did think. Did you finish it? No, I'm picking away way through I'm it. So I would say, so tactically, and, and we need to start moving towards wrapping up. But, um, but I would also say the other thing, um, once you get into this, I think the other thing that I find is, um, when you start reading as much as this, there's nothing wrong with reading five to seven books, maybe even 10 books at a time. So it's one of those things like, I've got three books on faith stuff that I'm moving through. Um, I've got the network state that I'm still picking away at slowly, but uh, you know, I think it's one of those things. I think having an available, in some ways, this is, I think, very similar to how audiobooks, having a tool that you can use whenever you are doing something. Like, I'm driving. Oh, I can throw an audiobook in. Oh, I'm still reading. Okay, well, I've got time before I go to bed. Having, in a sense, that if you have a variety of tools, like audiobooks at certain yeah, speed, yeah. Kindle, but then you also have a variety of things to pick out. Like, I'm reading five or six books right now. If I sit down and I'm like, you know what, I'm just not feeling um, Network State tonight because it is a hard book and and not hard in the sense that, I mean, it is a 
thick book, but there's some of the concepts, some of the concepts are not Pollyanna, happy, happy thoughts. So if, you know, sometimes like at the end of a night after a hard day, you don't feel like reading really hard, uh, futuristic predictions about, you know, yeah, the collapse of society. Yeah. And, uh, sometimes that's not my jam. So, so having a variety of books that you're also in, um, I think is another asset that, you know, once you allow yourself a little bit of freedom and you get used to it a little bit more, having four or five books that you're reading at the same time allows you to continue making progress where you're just not like, I don't want to read tonight because I don't want to read that thing. It's like, read, don't read that thing. Something. Yeah. Well, okay. So I'll take it one step further. Cause I think I go further than you on this. I think you're still mostly a completionist and I'm increasingly like, listen, if I'm now I'll give you a good college try. I'll get at least a third, maybe halfway into the book. And if by then I'm bored and this isn't interesting and I'm finding myself dreading getting into it, I will bail, man. I'll just say, yeah, forget it. And sometimes I, it's just to be clear, when I count my 200, if I don't make it at least a third of the way into the book, I don't count it as a book I have read. There have been times I've been like two thirds, three quarters in, and I'm like, I'm not reading the last two chapters and I'll count it as I've read that book. But most I, of the time I, I've got to get 80% before I'll count it as a book read and I'll just walk. I'm like, I, I, I got too many awesome books. I'm out. I am a completionist and I do not generally stop books. Um, so there's only, I can I, actually, I can only think of one book that I quit not too long. <laughs> it must be really bad for you to walk. It was, yeah. it was, it was not a good book. <laughs> yes. No, actually, actually come to think of it. No, I can think of a couple. Okay. It's, it's when, it's when, it's when a book goes out of its way to offend sensibilities. Yeah. Okay. You know? I you're saying, yeah, no, it's so weird as this sounds for a guy who reads 200 ish books a year. Um, I mean, this year I might be on about 240, just so you know, like it, it can be a lot. I still feel like, and, and I, by the way, we have a whole other conversation. We can talk about longevity. I plan to live a long, long time and read hundreds of books a year. And I still like, I don't have time to waste on less than amazing books. And I think that's part of why I'm doing my reread year is I went through like a series of these. It's like five things came together. And one of them was like, this is boring. Next book. This is boring. Next book. This is boring. And, and I mean, we're talking, I put in two, 300 pages per book sometimes, uh, you know, four to six hours. And I'm like, this is lame. I, how many lame books? And I kept coming back like, I don't have time to read lame books. There are amazing books out there. If you can't catch yes. me in three to five chapters and I'm still bored with you, then buddy, I, I'm going to well, go to books that are not bored. And, and I would say maybe this is a good place to, to kind of wrap up. So Scott and I would say, Hey, read a hundred books a year, whatever. If you, if you want, it's a, it's a goal that you can accomplish. Don't read bad books. Like I would just generally say the good news is, is that as you're reading that much, there are authors that like of the two books that I quit, like that book's not getting another try. Like, and so, and so the good news is, is that as you read so much, like you actually start to just have your counted, you know, your go-to authors, but then there's beauty in like having old go-to authors that are old, mm. ancient books, like, you know, books from the twenties, books from the fifties. And so oh, there are 500 years ago. Absolutely. There are thousands of great, great books. Yes. And just because you're reading a lot, doesn't mean that you're going to be reading crap. It doesn't. No, and, and I would say anytime I've run across somebody who says they don't like reading, I'm like, uh, uh-uh, this is an actually not a true statement. You just don't like reading the kinds of books that your school forced you to read. You and my kids, like I don't all of them at one point were like, I don't want to read dad. And I'm like, actually, you're just saying you don't want to read that assignment. What about this book? What? And then when you find a, a genre and a category that lights you up, man, I, I don't know anybody who doesn't 
enjoy that. So, Hey, thanks for spending some time talking about how, cause it's one thing to be like, Oh, we should read a lot and be a learner. But like, how do you actually fit that into a life as a worker and family man? Sure. Um, dude, I love it. I appreciate the, everything from where you pick them to how you capture the ideas, man. Appreciate you. All right. Awesome. See you buddy. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Upgrade Engines with Scott Wozniak. If you want to hear more of my thoughts on life and leadership, you might want to sign up for my weekly newsletter at www.scottwozniak.com slash upgrade. That's S-C-O-T-T-W-O-Z-N-I-A-K dot com slash upgrade. You'll get a cool quote, a deep thought, and a recommendation for something that I use and love. It's not long and it should be fun. The theme is similar to this podcast, but it's not the same content. And if you're a leader who wants to build a legendary brand, you can check out my company's website to learn how we can help at www.swazconsulting.com. That's S-W-O-Z consulting.com. Change really is possible. Dreams can come true. It may take a while, but you can upgrade anything if you build the right engine.